passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When Ryan's when it's time to begin, it's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting the 18 that makes sense that these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind around for Monday night, download a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewind around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Wade take the mic. It is time for rewind a raw. John Pollock and Wei Ting with you. Brought to you by Hoodies. Hello, Wei. Hoodies are us today. Yeah. yeah. No hat on you today, though. No, 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 no. That's a special occasion. That's well, once what a year. And that's that's a Saturday Rewind to SmackDown special. It's not too often that that happens, but those that tuned in, uh, get, getting that exclusive video content. We can't look too similar, okay? The guy, I kind of got the hat and glasses thing down. Um... I, I have had look for something else. I have at least one example in my in my mind. I, I I have a foggy memory of this of someone once at a show coming up and thinking I was was way. It's like no no I'm I'm John. It, it, I think it has happened because um, I mean not everybody or primarily a, a listening experience, not necessarily visual. So um, I bet I bet people recognize my voice that don't know what I look like. They're like I recognize mm-hmm. that voice. I was like okay that's a. Uh, that's quite the uh, the ear you've got on you, then. I'll bet, yeah. Although, like, do, I mean, does your voice sound the same in real life as it does over the uh, microphone? Yeah, it you, does you, pretty much. Yeah, I think so. Y- yeah. You'd have a better uh, knowledge of my voice. I, I don't hear myself talking. I'm not ad- uh, listening to myself as I talk. You, I mean, maybe. Like, you do I sound this way when we're not uh, when we don't have a red you, light in front of you us? You do, you do, you do. But I, I, I also have no idea. Like, I can't say if I. Because I know who you are. So, like, if I suddenly heard your voice, is it distinctive enough that I would think, oh, that's the podcast I listen to? I'm not sure. Maybe You're saying I, have a, I do have a generic voice, which I wouldn't no. disagree with you. It's a, it's a little bit um, by the numbers. It's not distinct, okay? It's not um, – I, I don't have one of I those mean, voices. I mean, you're not that... exactly James Earl Jones, you know? But oh, like... I could only wish. Dude, I wouldn't be doing this. I would be doing, you know, a couple movie trailers a year, and that would be it. I'd be off on the beach – on a reclusive island. Yeah, a few stingers, maybe a few Star Wars movies, and you're set. That's it. That's Someday. all I would be doing. Well, how is your May going so far? It is. Uh, we are two days down. Uh, you know, can't complain. Yeah, two days. Still here. And it's uh, a, a whole month of Patreon content to look forward to. Mr. Mr. Moneybags here, Mr. Wei Ting. <laughs> uh, we have a lot coming up uh, this month. Uh, let, let's let's chat a bit about uh, the cafe. Starting with Tuesday night, we have got the Tokyo Dome show from 2003, Wrestling World. This was the pre-Wrestle Kingdom days of the January 4th show that New Japan put forward. This card headlined by Yuji Nagata and the debuting, the first professional wrestling match of his life, Josh Barnett. After uh, he was stripped of the UFC heavyweight title, this was after a uh, a drug test the previous year, and taking his his talents over to New Japan, headlining the Tokyo Dome like that in and of itself is insane. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is a real blind spot for me. This particular era of uh, Enokiism, as people call it, of New Japan Pro Wrestling, where you know uh, a lot of MMA and professional wrestling seem to mix, and not necessarily for the better of uh, either. I would say so. Um, Rewind Away is, of course, you know, the show where that we do exclusively on our Patreon that our highest tier patrons get to choose. So this person chose this way back in December of 2020. So we're going to ask Paul why he chose the show. And uh, yeah, uh, looking forward to it. Yeah, lots of notes attached to this one. I'm going to bring everyone up to speed about what was happening in New Japan, the context of this company in January of 2003 and Maybe we'll also uh, discuss New Japan World and 
okay. ha- how one is to uh, find this show and piece it together. Because that in, is in, in and of itself is an experience. Well, thankfully, Paul managed to do that for us. So actually, if you go to the feedback thread at forum.postwrestling.com, I updated your, your post to uh, include the link. But I, I wouldn't know. Oh, I, I wasn't myself. copying and pasting all those 11 links over like this. It's just my God. Yeah. Well, there's one link. You Anyway. Yeah, oh, we'll, oh, well, I, I hope to be educated then on Tuesday. I look forward to this. Okay. Uh, so that is coming up on Tuesday. But it, the fun just starts because MCU later on Thursday night. It's a party. What a huge party. It's the season finale of Moon Knight, episode six. And you are going to be joined by who are you not going to be joined by? The answer is me. I'm the only one that didn't get an invite. I'm not offended, but uh, who will be with you on Thursday night? It's a whole multiverse of characters here Ooh. to joining us for uh, our Moon Knight season finale discussion. As always, Nate Milton, we have our closer, as we like to call him, and also our opener, uh, Rich Fan, who did the first uh, uh, review with WH Park earlier this season. He's returning to help us dissect the season finale of, I would say, probably the most interesting. And the most complex Disney Plus series yet. Of course, um, that is on Thursday evening live for all patrons at 10 p.m. and then in archive form afterwards. But next Tuesday, if your appetite wasn't uh, wet enough by watching this episode of Raw, WH Park and I will be joined by John Cena for our Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness review exclusively for Post Wrestling Cafe Patreon members. Yes, and for the month of May, uh, the way it works out on the calendar, there will be three Rewind Aways this month. Uh, on top of the Doctor Strange review, you get Rewind to SmackDown every Friday night, and MCU later this coming Thursday, plus audio feed for the post-daily news show. There's always great stuff popping up there. Some Something every day. Are people scared? Yeah, what? You're not. Take the plunge. You're not afraid, are you? Uh, so all of that this week, and of course, uh, on Friday, uh, with the WWE having their earnings call on Thursday night, uh, Brandon Thurston will be with me on the Post Daily News Show as we will go through the we'll go through the report, and then my favorite part is the call, the earnings call. Yeah, it's a big week. I always look forward to these, the, uh, the Nick Kong Quarterly, as we will call it, mm-hmm. coming up on Thursday night. So all of that, UFC 274 on Saturday night with me and Phil, WrestleMania Backlash on Sunday night. Huge weekend coming up. Are you excited for WrestleMania Backlash after this three-hour primer tonight for to get you ready for Sunday, to get you in WrestleMania Backlash shape? Am I excited for it? I don't know if you, you're asking that seriously. I mean, there are... That, that was the whole goal of tonight, was it not? Um, I would say the goal of tonight is, is to bank however much... Uh, however millions of dollars they're making for this particular episode, because um, how excited am I for... Why don't you ask me at the end of this review? Okay, we'll, we'll see how you're doing. So tonight's uh, Raw took place from the Greensboro Coliseum in North Carolina. Famous, famous venue. And uh, the home of the, the very first Starcade. Oh, okay. There you yeah. go. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so the main event taping saw Commander Aziz beating T-Bar and Tommaso Ciampa. Oh, I'm sorry. Ciampa. I had my Corey Graves moment there. I had to catch myself. Beating Apollo Crews. Mm-hmm. And then we started the show way with what everything was built around. The bloodline is coming to Raw. We previewed it this afternoon. What was what was set to take place on Raw? The bloodline looking to take over Raw is what the preview said. Take over Raw. Yeah. They were going to hold this show hostage for three hours. Mm-hmm. They get out. Paul Heyman introduces Roman in the ring. And the man gets out two words. And they were, North Carolina. And with that, RK Bro jumped the Usos with RKOs. Drew McIntyre comes out, joined by Angela. These, uh, this crew is uh, fresh off this European tour. They were in Germany on Sunday. They had to race to get to Raw Monday for this. And then Reigns and Drew have a showdown. The Usos come back. RK Bro return. The officials separate them. And we are told, after this pull-apart, get ready for it. On SmackDown, all six of these men will be in the same building. This was it. This Dude. There was no follow-up to this. There was nothing involving these six throughout the rest of the show. It was North Carolina. Oh, wait, it's RK, bro. And Drew came out. And that was it. On on paper, I, I just I can't imagine how little space this would have taken on the page. Um, and yet, when you watch the show, 
it it, it basically took up 17 minutes of the this show. This was seriously 17 minutes. Yeah. Yeah, between the recap from last week to the very long bloodline entrance as we usually get to the Paul Heyman introduction that is essentially just introducing Roman Reigns so that Roman Reigns can do his North Carolina acknowledge me line to just the mindless brawl to the commercials to the replays of the seg- of the mindless brawl segment that you just saw it wasn't until 17 minutes into the show until we got something that actually was of substance here. So um, it was just nothing. I mean, the matches, it's not till Sunday. And I imagine Friday will be very much the same. They literally, at the end of this 17 minutes, said, we're going to do this again on SmackDown. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. It's uh, whatever. This is the state of the show. show uh, entrances and recaps. Yeah. It, it's when you're watching this from start to finish and like it's the formula of, you know, when we go to break, we're going to do an entrance. But for some of these performers that come out, like it will be for some of them upwards of like 10 minutes from your music hits to your segment begins or your match begins because they got to sit out there. They turn the lights down for a commercial. They'll come back video package backstage promo back to Jimmy Smith for an on camera. And then we go to the person that's just been standing there. Yeah. And and again, it's a TV show, you know, like I, I complain about the other show not having any entrances. So, again, there's a happy medium. Like the thing is, it, it, it's fine to have the fanfare and to have the long entrances. To me, it actually works for Roman, makes him feel bigger, larger than life. But you got to deliver on the substance. You got to have something interesting to say. And this took up a lot of time and ended up with nothing. My notes had really nothing like uh, attached to him. It was just catchphrases and a mindless brawl. So I came downstairs. I, I never start the show at eight o'clock. So I come down at like eight twenty five, and I realized that this, uh, this yoga mat had been rolled up and put mm-hmm. to the side of the TV stand and yeah. it had been placed down where the power bar is. So this yoga mat went down vertically and when it was placed there, it turned off the power bar. So the, <laughs> My TV had no power, so it did not record the show for the first 25 minutes. Oh. This was like, I was like, man, this is like, if ever this is a sign. So I had to go and stream the first half hour of the show. I got through this segment uh, at 1.5 times the speed in a remarkable amount of time. And I'm here to announce that I am making the switch to streaming. See? It's yeah, the way sports better. That app is, is great. Yeah. It turned out really well. Um, I, uh, the one annoying thing is that there's times I have to, I have to rewind things to make sure I caught something. Yeah. But it's 30 second intervals. And if I just want to go back five or 10 seconds, there's a no go on that. Like, uh, unless I manually do it and it's just, it's not, it's not very user friendly for that kind of, but I'm a, I'm a specific case. I don't imagine the average person is having that problem. So if you, if you hit the back arrow, what about that? Nothing. It doesn't do anything for me. It goes back 30 seconds. Okay. Well, th- these are very specific problems. That well, it's like if I, I if I miss something and then I misrepresent it on this show, well, guess what? My comments look like the next day or the chat room. They just eat yes, me alive. Yes. So I got to get this stuff right. Uh, okay. Well, what, what we were trying to say is that, I mean, this is a show that is actually not that difficult. Your power can go out. It's not a problem. It can yeah. be out for a half hour. You're good. You will catch up to this in no time. I was all caught up, like, almost, within 15 minutes. A key note for, for anybody looking to start a podcast recapping Raw. Um, I don't know how many of you out there want to enter this experiment, but it's it, it, it's it's not as daunting as, as you might think. It's easy. Yeah, you know, it's a piece of cake. So these six were done, and the Street Profits met with Ezekiel earlier today. They offered him a red cup, and they cheersed to Zeke. Alpha Academy and Kevin Owens walked in, and Gable notes how a lie detector test can be manipulated, and Owens splashes the drink into Ezekiel, and this sets up a six-man tag. Yes, that is correct. A lot of, a lot of six-person tags on this show. Yeah. I didn't mind it as long as they were somewhat fresh. I thought this was like a, a very good match to start off uh, with Kevin Owens and Alpha Academy against Ezekiel and uh, I'm sorry, the the ultimate Ezekiel and the Street Profits. There's a double flapjack by the Profits to Chad Gable. Ford is uh, hitting drop kicks all around. They do a double drop kick, him and Dawkins, and then Ezekiel joins in for a triple drop kick uh, to set up the commercial break. Ford slingshots into a Northern Lights and then Owens is in and hits a leaping moonsault. He was a... Uh, he was doing. Uh, he was practicing these over the weekend, and he uh, he executed this very well. 
So mm. there's a hot tag to Ezekiel. The crowd's into this. He hits a spine buster on Gable, flying knee to Otis, and then the stinger splash, a delayed vertical. Otis breaks up the pin, and then Dawkins sends Otis out. Owen super kicks Dawkins and then trips Ezekiel from the floor, and Gable immediately rolls him up with a Mahistral cradle in nine minutes and 29 seconds. I thought this was like a very good six man. Yeah, I thought it was all right, you know. Um, uh, I don't know if it was very good. I, the I don't crowd was into that. this. There was nothing <laughs> stupid about it. It was like some fine wrestling here. Gable was in this for, for quite a period of time. Ezekiel yeah. was kept to like his hot tag spot, and he didn't uh, – yeah, he looked good, and the crowd responded to him. I think this was actually the most positive representation of Ezekiel uh, since – since his debut. Well, that I agree with. I thought it, uh, I mean, for me, the match was pretty typical, the kind of WWE multi-man match in, in that I didn't think it was all that memorable, but it, to me, completely served its purpose of uh, pushing this Ezekiel Owens feud. This audience is really catching on uh, to this Ezekiel character. It's so silly, but I think it's completely amusing because I think the the, the, the actor, the person that plays, the wrestler that plays Ezekiel is very good. Uh, there's just something funny about him, when, even when he's not necessarily trying to be funny. And Kevin Owens is fantastic, too. too so this whole thing, as ridiculous as, as it is, I think is totally working. It's one thing about this show being the go-home show for the pay-per-view is that there were so many of these programs that you're thinking in your mind that they're building towards Sunday for, mm-hmm. and they're not. Like, Kevin Owens and Ezekiel, as of now, not on the pay-per-view. All six women in that main event, none of them are on the pay-per-view. Uh, you know, you're building up like Veer Mahan. It's like there's all these different programs going on. Um, but really, what they pushed tonight was Edge and AJ and uh, and the match between Cody and Seth. Like that was kind of your focus, and that's all you've got. And of course, our our bloodline uh, debacle at the beginning. Because it's kind of what happens when you have three hours of TV and you know between both rosters only maybe two and a half hours of pay per view. This this feels like a. Very much uh, optional show for Sunday night if you are a viewer of WWE. Kevin Patrick interviews AJ, and there is a stipulation that has been added to tonight's match with Damian Priest where if he can beat Damian, he will be barred from ringside on Sunday because that is how he lost to Edge at WrestleMania. And that is what is at stake. Sonya Deville is with Adam Pearce, and her power has been stripped for tonight. She She has no booking power tonight, Way. So you can't blame this show on her. She says that uh, everything she has done has been by the book, yet this investigation is occurring. And therefore, upper management wants to see Sonya Deville compete again and have put her into a six-woman tag tonight. Deville suggests a no-holds-barred match. And Pierce reminds her, you have no executive power. So they teased a no-holds-barred match and did not give you a no-holds-barred match. It was just a suggestion that was turned down. Yeah, I guess more done to show that, you know, she, in fact, is is not an authority person, at least tonight. Um, and I say about damn time, you know, where was this investigation for the past year when Sonya has been doing this every single where week? Where have these investigations Naomi? been for the last two and a half decades of the GM role? Um, yeah, who is this governing there's body? A, there's been some pretty, uh, some pretty heinous general managers in the history hmm. of, of this company. Vera Mahan... Took on hometown hero Burt Hansen <laughs> from Greensboro. How do we know he's from Greensboro? Because Byron Saxton got in the, into the ring to interview Burt Hansen, who says that Veer scares the daylights out of him, but he signed up because he's always wanted to compete on Raw in his hometown, and he works down the street at Steamy's Barbecue. These are great. I love these. They don't do them for everyone. I mean, we've seen a lot of, you know, WWE gives a, 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 a like tries a lot of giant pushes from time to time, and they don't always go all out with these sort of jobber interviews. Um, so I thought this was great. I thought I thought the idea of it was very smart to just get the crowd more into this guy. Unfortunately, I don't think this crowd saw anything uh, to get behind here in in Burt Hansen, who just. Of course not. No, I think I think everybody in this audience exactly knew knew exactly what was going to happen. Well, he just got destroyed. Uh, million dollar arm, cervical clutch. It went a minute thirty three, and then he continued the attack. Uh, no one ran out, so he just uh, destroyed poor Bert Hansen, who is back to Steamy's barbecue. Yes, yes, yes. You know, again, of, of the recent giants that we've seen, including Omos, including Aziz, including Shanky. I mean, I think Veer Mahan has been 
better than all of them. He to me he shows good intensity. He's good at making faces and growling, which is what half of what they look for in these giants. Um, so I I think he's doing well for now. Good growling. That's that's yeah. how we can assess a month in of Veer Mahan. Priest and Edge come out, and Edge just cut a promo saying that people might despise Edge, but that's because you despise yourselves. And if you looked in the mirror, you would be sick at what you saw. And he mocks them being from North Carolina, which was the most amusing part of this promo from the man who uh, his residence is in North Carolina. He is surprised that they can even count high enough to find their seats and calls them Greensboro lemmings, but then explains what lemmings are. Small rodents with few teeth, just like you. I was amazed he didn't go for, uh, I, I was literally about to write that he should go after the sports team. And then with that, he talked about how this city isn't even big enough to have a major <laughs> sports team. I'm like, oh, of course, of course. And says AJ should have stayed home with his family, but his heart is heavier than his brain. And he's just trying to incite the audience um, and trying his damnedest to to do this with like the most uh, you're fat, you're stupid, you have no teeth and fuck your sports teams. Yeah. Yeah. What you're pointing out is, you know, what we were talking about last week about how, I mean, Edge, since he's come back as a baby face, I mean, all of his promos and, and all, all of the, the programs he's been involved with have been pretty interesting because he, he always seems to be somebody who really goes the extra mile to find something actually authentic and believable that you can act, act, get behind as, as a viewer. But since he's turned into a heel, everything has just felt so incredibly generic, um, including the look, including, you know, the lighting, including the entrance and including promos like these. So... I, you know, I, I, I don't really understand it, you know, from somebody who I think clearly has such a high standard for himself. Um, I'm not sure why these are feeling so generic. Yeah. I mean, it's not to say the audience didn't react to this. Like it does have, um, the desired reaction, but to me, it's just, um, yeah, it, it just, it just feels very flat at the moment that this character that it feels like he is playing a role. Like I, I don't feel there is anybody that is looking. There's nothing wrong with that. Like you, you, some, some of the greatest heels, you know, are full on characters, but to me, like it's, this is not a memorable character, at least not yet. So Damien priest takes on AJ styles and styles has the left shoulder taped up and priest takes AJ and dumps both of them over the top rope and AJ goes for the slingshot forearm but hurts his shoulder in executing it and then takes a lawn dart into the post uh, injuring his shoulder Sli- uh, Styles later slides off the turnbuckle and there's a spinning slam to Priest off the shoulders for a two count Priest then kicks at the shoulder tries for the razor's edge there's a pele kick by AJ and then goes for the phenomenal forearm but he is caught with the South of Heaven, so trying to show that he can hit the phenomenal forearm with with the injured arm, but he can't hit it. He's hit with the choke slam. That leads to a near fall, and then uh, Styles attempts a calf crusher after stopping a spin kick. Edge distracts, and then AJ rolls up Priest, uh, getting the pinfall, and then Edge immediately attacks him, and Priest lays him out with final reckoning. But I thought the two had a very good match. I thought so, too. They really got the crowd go, uh, wanting AJ to to win this fight so that he can have a fair fight on Sunday. And I thought Priest did a really good job here, you know, as did AJ gutting out a performance despite that injured shoulder. I think overall, like they've been telling a really good story about that injured shoulder heading into Sunday. So we look for that match to, you know, make that, of course, a focal point. Yeah, I would say like you look at the card on Sunday and I'm not going to say it's the most um you know, uh, buzzworthy event, but on paper, um, like Cody and Rollins should, you know, that's got a very high level of expectation. I think this match, I I think they've, they've got a much better match in them than they Mm -hmm. had at WrestleMania, which was still a good match, but, um, I don't think it was a memorable one. Um, so, so they have that going for them. The six man's going to be really, really great. So right there, that that's three matches that I think you have to be pretty optimistic about going into Sunday. Mm-hmm. And then Edge gets two chairs, and they're going to further attack the shoulder when Finn Balor comes to the aid of AJ Styles. The two fight off Edge and Priest, and AJ puts up the two suites. So we have the Japanese, U.S., and Mexican divisions of the Bullet Club all within uh, 48 hours, really solidifying themselves. Th- that is correct, yeah. You're, you're referring to Jeff Jarrett, 
Yes, of course. Is he still? (laughs) Does he still have a jacket? Like, is he? Dude, they're they're for life. They're for life. Yes. You don't get kicked out. Then you've and then you've got the you know the Nashville chapter with Scott Demore. That is correct. Yeah. So they got all their bases covered. Captain New Japan is out there somewhere, um, representing bull clubs at, at some I don't know bar maybe anyway uh yeah uh you know what else is finn balor doing um and anytime you have nothing for finn balor um you rely on the bullet club nostalgia that uh (laughs) has carried him along for nine years now it seems so i like it uh balor and aj as a team you know going up against edge and and, and priest it it makes all the sense in the world and um does does balor have a role on sunday or is this strictly for tv I would think he has to get involved somehow. I don't think you introduce him here. Yeah, but There's... a priest can't make it. Then what's the need? Um, I don't know. Maybe te- priest will tease coming out and Balor's like, hey, hold it right there. Maybe uh, maybe the demon will show up and then we'll, we'll have the, he'll play a heel as the demon and a baby face as, hmm. uh, as Finn. Hmm, right, so he can yeah. both feud and team with AJ at the same time. Hmm. And then priest can play Damien... As a baby exactly. face and then and it builds up to a tag match. Okay. So a six man. Yes, exactly. Yeah, got it. <laughs> Omos is backstage with MVP. Cedric Alexander uh, reminds them that they, that him and MVP used to be in the hurt business and MVP is trying to remember this guy. He says that Lashley and Shelton had selfish egos and it led to the demise of the hurt business. This is Cedric talking. MVP has no interest in working with Cedric anymore. I've moved on. <laughs> Cedric says, I want to prove that what I can do by myself because Shelton isn't here tonight and I've requested a match with Bobby Lashley and MVP says, well, we'll be watching. And then Omos tells him it is time for you to go. This dude, Cedric Alexander does not give up. Okay. Like never give up should be his model. Cause no matter how many times he gets kicked out of the hurt business, never, no, no, no matter how many times he and Shelton break up with one another, <laughs> it's like I'm kind of three times now, three separate times that you know they've 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 been trying to get back in, they've been kicked out, and then they've they just keep coming back to ask to be back in. So it's kind of sad, but it's also kind of romantic, I think. You know, I uh, yeah, I mean, this is the one that he is not going to be accused of being the one that got away because he is not yeah. leaving. No, it's his it's his one. It, it, he he will not give up on the hurt business reunion. They had a birthday mention for Dwayne Johnson, who turned 50 on Monday. Yeah, 50. Yes. Yeah, big deal. Miz TV. Miz brings out Mustafa Ali, who he introduces as the man that time forgot. The man that time forgot. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Shouldn't he? So, he, so he's, he'll never hit 50 then. He'll stay the same age. <laughs> he's frozen. Yes. Yeah. Well, his contract was. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> time is the contract forgot time. So Miz uh, introduces him, and as Ali comes out, his music stops halfway, and Miz apologizes for this production snafu, and asks if he can call him Moost. Moost. <laughs> his mic doesn't work, and Miz jokes about the technical issues. So stating that it's very unprofessional, but it was also unprofessional when you interrupted my segment with Fury last week and asks if you did that because you're desperate or because everyone had forgotten about you. And Ali has to convey how upset he is that this microphone won't work. And Miz tells Ali not to go on Twitter and complain. So Ali snatches the working mic and says, the only complaint everyone has is that you still work here, Miz. Miz, when you whine... And you're unheard. You go to the people in the back. Meanwhile, I speak to the people that matter the most. The WWE Universe. Theory enters this segment. And I guess they weren't on the same page here. And he calls out must. So we got moose and must. I mean, it kind of works for the gimmick, doesn't it? I like, guess so. I was thinking this segment thing. must end was what I was feeling. <laughs> He says that The Miz didn't have time to prepare last week for the match, so he got Vince McMahon to wipe it from his cage match record. And (laughs) Ali, you don't deserve a U.S. title match. Ali says, I don't want to be handed anything. I want to fight for it. So Theory says that you have been granted a championship contenders match if you can handle the heat. 
And Ali says, well, if you ask people backstage, I can take the heat. Man. They reveal it is a handicap match with Miz involved. Dude, this was just, I, this was our like WWE 2K storyline segment where it was just like the most insincere dialogue. And dude, Theory talks so slow. He enunciates every single word exactly as it is written down. Oh, yeah. This is a kind of segment that, I mean, just uh, lulls me out of this show. It, 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 so, so here's the thing. It, it, it's that, like, to me, people like Theory and The Miz excel at these segments where somebody like must, must, must Ali must, must. <laughs> feels like he's so incredibly out of place. And to me, he felt a bit more like he was kind of felt a bit. It certainly felt unnatural. I'm not going to say it was a struggle, but you can see how he spoke versus how theory and Miz speaks. And it just didn't seem like he was a good fit at Dude, all. Compare this to those awesome vignettes that yeah, he was, he, was, that he was shooting in Chicago and compare it to this. Oh, like it's just, yeah. it's two completely different people. We know Ali is somebody who can promo. He can cut a hell of a promo. But in this context, reading these words, calling out the WWE universe, reading <laughs> worked shoot lines like, believe me, if anyone can handle heat back there, it's me. There's no better way to take out away and to kill this dude's rebellious sort of um, character that he's built up for himself online. And maybe that's the intent. I don't know. But... Um, like the edge is certainly taken off um, and not the wrestler. The handicap match saw Ali running the ropes and then Fury was on the apron and lifted them. So Ali crashed to the floor and Corey Graves catches himself as he refers to Austin. And then I think got a, got an electrical shock uh, from, <laughs> from the back and quickly re- recovered. There's a rolling neckbreaker to Miz. Theory makes the save, and then Ali is tossed to the floor, kicks Theory off the from the apron, and then turns around into a skull-crushing finale, and Miz pins Ali in 2 minutes and 53 seconds. Theory stands on top of him with the belt, and then Ciampa, just Ciampa, jumps Ali from behind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I understand it was a handicap match, and it was not a fair win for the heels, but I think two weeks in... Or a brand new baby face, I don't think anybody who's a two week old baby face should be put into a situation where they looked uncool, much less somebody taking a pinfall, even in a handicap situation. I think they uh, this is a critical time where they should be successful in every single outing. And just to kind of see Ali, you know, beaten up like this and then further beaten up by other people in the before the segment ended, um, I think just hurt him more than helped. Yeah, I. And it wasn't like this match had any kind of time even for Ali to really stand out. They had three minutes. I mean, the yeah. bulk of this was was the setup, the promo. Yeah, and again, I thought last week was actually really good. You know, got got a, a chance to actually showcase his wrestling ability and got a win over The Miz. And at the very least, you would expect, you know, maybe a bit more wrestling in here. But it was more more sports entertainment. But... I mean, if we're talking about activity, this guy seems to have a lot of uh, opponents lined up. He's got three opponents going at the same time. Yeah, so what's going on here? Three on one. Sure, yeah. A three on I mean, one handicap. Yeah, I mean, he's got he's got stuff going on, but it, it, it also feels like one of those kind of, you know, several week pushes that, I mean, really was one week. And, you know, I could see him going over Ciampa, but... Um, can you, know, you though? Well, yeah, I guess so because he's newer. But I don't know. Can you? I, I don't say that um, convincingly. Um, I mean that, especially if Champa is like turning heel. He's like trying to get get a new character across. Ali's yeah. already lost. We will see where either of those two are in. I won't even say six months. I'll say in in six weeks. But to me, all of this is like theory is the focus of all of this. Like he is yeah. the one they are they are elevating here. Reggie and Dana Brooke were showing earlier today, walking backstage. Reggie wants to go on a honeymoon. Dana dismisses this idea, and they run into R-Truth, who's with Tozawa and Tamina, and Dana wants an apology for R-Truth trying to pin her for the title last week. Tamina says how she wants to win the title, and Tozawa is supposed to be helping her get that wish when Nikki Cross, Nikki Ash, shows up from behind, shoving them, and tries to pin Dana 
and gets the title. Dana is furious and yells that Reggie was supposed to protect her and blames him. And to save our marriage, you better get me a rematch. Yes. Yes. Well, um, you know, uh, how would you explain that? Could you imagine uh, going to your lawyer and saying, well, is this what irreconcilable differences? It's like I could not secure a 24 seven title match for my soon to be ex-wife. And that is uh, that is that is what has broken this marriage that and I tried to <laughs> defeat her for this title. Good luck, I suppose. Yeah, I think one of the um, unique things about the 24 seven division since it's uh, evolved over the years now at this point, how many years has this thing been around? Three, three years. Oh, my God. Unbelievable. In the three years that it's been around, I mean, it's really involved really into its own micro universe where it, it follows different forms of logic. You know, people are much more easily defeatable in this micro universe. And clearly, um, law, marriage law works very differently here. Yes. As well. So Reggie saved the marriage by getting the rematch with Nikki Ash and Dana Brooke. Uh, Dana uh, slid into the ring skirt and was attacked with strikes, goes for a cartwheel elbow and then a rolling neck breaker and wins the belt back in 90 seconds. But then Tozawa tries to pin her. Truth stops that. He goes for a cover. And then Reggie. Reggie tries to pin his wife and gets slapped. And he apologizes immediately. And Dana, to make this point clear, goes on top of the announcer's table to announce. No, Vince. I want a divorce. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, anyway, so. Is this our, uh, our our Johnny Depp influence on this show? Oh, does. Uh, I mean, I mean it's a defamation trial, but nonetheless, I feel this is uh, somewhat inspired mm-hmm. by what's going on. I feel like they would have got, got here anyway. I mean, it's the logical next step. You do a marriage. Yeah, yeah. Two weeks after the marriage, we, we do the divorce. <laughs> Perfectly logical. I mean, I, 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 I think they're actually rushing it, you know, uh, if, if you don't mind me saying, John. The marriage or the divorce? Um, the divorce, you know, because what comes after marriage? Somebody's got to get pregnant and somebody has to give, give kids. And then you do the, the divorce, oh, you know, come on, okay. full on relationship here. So, you know what? Maybe there's still time. Maybe we could still get a pregnancy at some point here. Always possible. You're right. Mm-hmm. Kevin Patrick is with Becky Lynch and... Kevin Patrick recaps last week's segment and Becky interrupts. You don't need to tell me what happened. I was there and said how brave it was of her to tell people that she had hit rock bottom. And I was interrupted by the woman I literally handed my title to. I had told her to go be a warrior. I'll be a mother. I held up my end of the bargain. Oscar did not do her part. This is my comeback story. And it starts with ending Oscar. Yeah. Yeah. Great okay. promo. I look forward to this match whenever it happens. Mm hmm. Yeah, I, I I mean, it's not happening on uh, Sunday. So. It's not announced. I'm yeah. sure we could get some additions, but they did not announce that. And maybe, maybe that's too big that they'll just hold off on it. Mm-hmm. I I mean, they're clearly, you know, like there's a lot behind the two of them from the last time that Becky was in the ring with Asuka, as she alluded to here with the title presentation, um, that I... I I, I I wonder how they'll use it to tell the story. I hope it's a bit more than just, you know, throwing it here in this conversation. Nikki, uh, uh, sorry, I'm going I'm going backwards here. Let's not do that. Um, oh, they, they also made it official. SmackDown in Montreal at the Bell Center on August 19th and Raw in Toronto on August 22nd at the Scotiabank Arena. And locally, they're promoting Sami Zayn and Ricochet, which should be... Um, Quite a big reaction for Sami Zayn. These will probably be like for the live crowd if they even do these. And then mm-hmm. Rhodes and Rollins on the uh, the Toronto show. But yeah, Raw in Toronto, way. Yeah, it's back. Yes. I'll be streaming it from home. I think I'll be busy. Yes. Then we had Corey Graves make an announcement in the arena to uh, to alert everybody to the screen for a special trailer for the Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness movie coming out this week. Mm-hmm. And we got a trailer for it. Yes, yes. Um, I've been skipping all the trailers, actually. Oh, so you didn't watch this? I did not watch this, no. Oh, okay. Uh, wild, wild twist at the end. Reggie's yeah. going to be in the movie. Ooh, okay. Um, you know, does uh, 
Shuma Gorath become the 24-7 champion? Uh, you said you didn't watch it. Oh, okay. But yeah, no big, big advertiser here. When, when are you going to watch it? I'm going opening night. Thursday? Thursday, yeah. Thursday, okay, mm-hmm. cool. Right before MCU later. So, I, um, yeah, I won't talk about it until next week, but yeah, I'm excited. Well, everyone was excited for Seth Rollins' appreciation night, which was pretty much Seth uh, standing in the ring to cut a promo. They appreciated Seth so much that he came out and stood there through a commercial break, a movie trailer, a recap of the opening segment with the bloodline, and then a rundown of the pay-per-view coming up on Sunday, and then we got to appreciate him. Well, you can appreciate him in the dark. I mean, he's just the presence is what we're here for. So the lights go down, there's a spotlight on Seth, and the crowd is continually chanting Cody like it was the the reaction that they wanted. And he calls Cody a jerk who tried to steal his spotlight at WrestleMania, but he can't steal it because Rollins is the spotlight. And people forget how good I am. I'm the standard bearer of the industry. Crowd continues, we want Cody. And he has put together a highlight reel for everybody to watch. But as he throws to it, Cody's music plays instead. Cody comes out and asks what this is all about. Seth is unraveling at the seams, and it appears that your win at WrestleMania is an albatross that you just can't shake. And points out this hideous Johnny Polo getup that you're wearing, but Cody also noting his own hypocrisy when comparing to what, what he wears, so fair game. Cody says, I have been a gentleman since arriving but I feel like you are about to cross a line that you don't want to cross. I guess this this uh, friendship, this this feud, it's at a crossroads way. He says, Seth is one of the best wrestlers of the past 20 years, but you're also delusional. And Seth laughs at this comment, referring to Cody as kid. Seth being a year younger than this kid. And he mentions Dusty wrestling in this very same arena, the Greensboro Coliseum. But just like you, he was an egomaniac who thought he was larger than life and thought he transcended the business. And both you and Dusty were delusional. Dusty wanted to be WWE champion, but he wasn't good enough. And as long as I'm here, you will not be good enough either. And this prompts Cody to attack him and hits him with the Cody cutter. And Seth leaves without his jacket, which is thrown into the crowd. It was actually Rollins who swung first. Even though Rollins is the one who delivered the line. I, I I mean, again, I think it's just to show the baby face in Cody. Like, even hearing that line, not swing first. Um, but, yeah, bring Dusty's name up here. And uh, I I thought it was good. You know, I, like, I think anytime you have... Cody still feels fresh enough that, like, anytime he appears on screen, it feels like it's still a highlight of Raw. Um, I, 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 I will say, like, these definitely feel like they're more getting into sports entertainment territory where it just feels like, I think just pretty, you know, expected now, like what, what things are people are going to say and the speech patterns are pretty predictable. So it's starting to lose the luster a little bit for me. I, um, I th- I think the segment accomplished what you wanted with, with with the crowd and such. I just think the, the pacing of this, like if you're going to invoke Dusty's name, Number one, that should set off off Cody. Like uh, to your point, like I think they made, like you didn't get as heated a reaction, and more importantly, like bringing up Dusty's name to me requires a response from Cody that I would want going into the show on Sunday. I think that this this should have been like a big response from Cody uh, going into Sunday. Like now, this is a personal rivalry by you uh, insulting my father. So maybe had this happened last week, you could have got that big promo tonight and. Instead, I just think, like, using Dusty here, it almost just felt as though, well, we need a spark tonight for this promo, so let's use Dusty. And that, to me, is a a big part of, you know, with, with Cody to use something so big, and I, I don't know if it was kind of just used sparingly here. I think the spark was exactly what they were probably thinking for, you know, just on the go-home show, throw that in there and hopefully drive a bit more interest. There's going to be... I mean, the the whole Cody Rhodes character is that he is his father's son. So there are going to be plenty of opponents who I think will probably be doing a deeper job of, you know, um, invoking Dusty's name. So what do you see for Cody after Sunday? 
Um, so moving on from Rollins, who are the other heels that are on the show right now? Um, who am I thinking about? Um, I, I hope mean, it's not. I don't think it's going to be Omos. Is 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 it too soon for Roman Reigns? Uh, Roman might still be attached to Drew, like throughout these months, right? That that seems to be you know where they're going at this point. Edge, um, Edge, Ed, Edge would make Maybe. a lot of sense to be Edge honest. And Priest, yeah, I, I I would like that. I thought going to WrestleMania that was like a, a pairing that 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 would work well. Maybe so. Cody joins the Bullet Club. Oh, well, there trio. you go. Yeah, wow. So the you. Elite. you you can all it can all make sense. Uh, Lashley comes out and his new entrance. Uh, he's standing on on a podium. At the entrance, yeah. yes. Mm-hmm. And then this was crazy. Um, there's a show on NBC about wrestling. I saw a promo for it on Raw. Raw is the only television show I watch, so I was never made aware of this show on NBC. But it's uh, it's about Dwayne Johnson, and on Tuesday show, it's going to feature his WWF tryout with a bunch of a. Uh, WWF stars uh, having, well, not having roles, but they will be uh, played by other actors. Aren't we like three seasons into this young This Ross? is uh, This is season two, I think. Oh, it's only season two. Okay. But, you yeah. know, final, like just now they're starting to do this. Yeah, we're up, to, uh, we're up to 1996. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Who, who, are the, who are the wrestlers that other people are playing? Do you, did you see? Oh yeah, they've they've got someone playing Mankind. They've got someone playing uh, um, Luke Hawks is playing Steve Austin. Um, there's a hmm. like the Greenwich Snob version of Triple H in it. Oh okay, um, interesting. Yeah, there's already a Vince character in it who looks nothing like Vince really. Um, okay, they, they they've actually cast a guy that does look pretty good for Bam Bam Bigelow. Oh cool, he got Bam. I, I'm see I I am curious to see that. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, anyway, that's on Tuesday night. And now that it's been plugged on Raw, Way is interested in watching this. What a concept. Yes. Bobby Lashley and Cedric Alexander. Omos and MVP come out. They distract Lashley, so Cedric uh, attacks him. And MVP is just on the microphone the whole time. Uh, Cedric just looks like a fool here. He drops Cedric, and then Cedric is going after the knee. And then he goes for a suicide dive to Lashley, but his feet catch on the ropes and just crashes down thrown into the barricade, into the post, spear, hurt lock, and Bobby Lashley beats Cedric in two minutes and 35 seconds. Mm-hmm. I know um, uh, Andrew and Martin just did a look back at the um, Cruiserweight Classic, and it'd be really wonderful to you know just get an update on all the Cruiserweight guys and what they're up to. We've got Cedric doing this, um, just <laughs> longingly hoping to get back into the hurt business time after time. How would you, how would how would you weigh the uh, the the six years for Cedric Alexander versus Kota Ibushi? Um, Zach Saber Jr. Kota Ibushi did a bit better, but well, how about Drew Gulak, John? And what that man's up to? Drew Gulak's ahead of Cedric Alexander. Okay, for now, he's getting on TV. I mean, it is to to get beaten up every single week by Ronda Rousey or Charlotte Flair, but he is on TV nonetheless. And then the rest of the guys are in the twenty four. Akira Tozawa is on TV every week too, getting married. Yeah. Uh, what it else? depends what your uh, what what your scale is is weighted by. Like if it's just um, you know you you have a place to go every Monday. Yes, that that is what Tozawa does have. He gets he's being paid. Ali return. Okay, there's a there's a positive Ali. Like an actual role. Yeah. Um you know, he's he's doing fine. Yeah. In in Chompa? relative terms. W- to be determined. We'll, we'll we'll see. We'll see. Okay. He's had a very nice WWE run for for these these several years, but now it yeah. is uh the transition phase. Anyway, uh Bushby and Thompson's wrestling adventure out on the British Wrestling Experience feed. Yes, go go look at how uh, Cedric Alexander just uh, had to cut weight to make that tournament. Yes, that was great. Schreiber is with Liv Morgan. She thought her and Rhea Ripley were a great tag team and thinks that Ripley is not disappointed in Liv, but actually disappointed in herself, and she is not going to take another beating from Rhea Ripley. Truth meets with Reggie, and they're talking about his pending divorce, and turns out the Truth is a certified divorce, divorce attorney, so... He's going to work with Reggie, uh, who has never heard of what a prenup is, and it looks like he did not sign one. Oh, no. So, I mean, are we getting more into, like, this is clearly stuff that, like, Vince is interested in, 
You know, what happens? Or like, yeah, what happens when, you know, um, uh, your wife divorces you and takes all your money? That's 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 great. Good shit. Maybe maybe the divorce is going to result in in them having to split their assets and we're going to get a male and female 24 seven title. Oh, okay. I mean, it's it's a unisex title, so. But it gets split up. It's going to change everything up. Hmm. Okay. Or maybe we'll just have a. Well, one's one's going to be a two. I'm I'm willing to bet like Dana Brooke has, you know, more assets than Reggie. Like she's been on the main roster longer, you know. Well, um, well, maybe maybe Reggie's going to um, come out of this. okay. yeah, maybe. I don't know. They walk past Nikki Ash, who is looking very despondent, and Dewdrop walks in and asks if she is done playing around and ready to take things seriously. And Nikki says yes. Yeah. yeah. So she is leaving the microverse that is the 24-7 division, and she's about to take her wrestling career seriously again. This was a yeah. lifeline that she grabbed yeah. hold of. Yeah. Dewdrop should be, you know, throwing it to every single person. But I'm happy to see this. They're pairing the two Scottish wrestlers together, and looks like we're getting a new tag team. That's right. Yeah. Maybe maybe Butch was like barking in the corner. He's ready to take things seriously too. Maybe he's uh he wants to take Dewdrop up. Dewdrop, on this please offer. ask ask him. Yeah. But did you read this as like a babyface team or a heel team? Um, not much I, material we're given, but. No, no, I, I would say, um, well, your, your champions right now are, um, baby faces. Baby faces yeah. So I would think like you kind of don't need a baby face tag team. Yeah. But I mean, I, I think we've gone so far already with Nikki cross and Dewdrop. maybe Nikki cross, not far enough actually as a heel, but I, she's been off TV for, um, good chunk of that. I don't know. I wonder, I'm, I'm I could see both ways. Are they going to come up with a clever name? Hmm. Cross drop. Cross drop. Uh, um. Cross, cross do. Yeah. Uh, ash, ash drop. Cross. Ash. Ash drop. Okay. No. Let's move on. Bianca Belair, Oscar, and Liv Morgan against Becky Lynch, Rhea Ripley, and Sonya Deville. This is our main event, dude. The first. The first theme was Becky Lynch, which played at 10.28 p.m. <laughs> the bell rang at 10.43. Yeah, dude. Yeah. I mean, there's not a lot of... Honestly, like when we look at our notes, I, I feel like we write as much, if not more, for Dynamite than we do for... A hundred percent. A hundred percent. We write more. One um, show attempts to pack too much into two hours. The other seems to stretch maybe what's there for an hour and a half into three hours. Um, and they do that in the form of these, you know, entrances, video packages, and things like that. Okay, as I'm looking at it, uh, I wrote 1,701 words for Dynamite last week. Raw was 1,759, so slightly wow. more for Raw, but an added hour. Okay, so well, close. Yeah. Bel Air and Ripley are in. Ripley attacks Morgan on the apron. They have the advantage on Bel Air in the corner. And Lynch hits a leg drop off the top. That sets up the commercial. They continue uh, with the heat on Liv Morgan for a long time until she tags Bianca Belair. Becky and Deville distract uh, uh, Becky and Deville distract Belair on the turnbuckle, and Rhea capitalizes. Double team superplex. Oscar gets the tag and got a, a very nice reaction here. Hip attack to Deville. Release German sliding knee. Deville stops the chicken wing while Liv makes a blind tag. And the hip attack sends Deville off the apron and is caught with Liv's double knees as she is on the floor. Uh, Becky is in to stop the pin attempt. All six come in. We're getting moves traded left and right. Deville tosses Belair out of the ring. Deville and Liv trade covers and then a knee to the face of Liv. Deville holds on to the rope to avoid the double knees. And as she goes to use the rope for leverage, uh, Becky knocks her feet off the rope. And Liv hits oblivion, pinning Sonya Deville for the win. Hmm. I thought this was a good match. You know, a ma- something that I felt was definitely worthy of being in the main event spot. It, it reminded me of like SmackDown early on after the brand split, where they relied heavily on these sort of multi-woman matches. You know, in order to get the whole division over. And I thought they were very successful. They were always, you know, pretty entertaining. And 
I hope to see more of this because you had somebody at the star level of a of a Becky Lynch involved here with Bianca Belair. It felt like, you know, a, a bigger deal than usual. And to see the combinations of not just the people that are currently engaged in feuds, but people that might be in feuds in the future or have been in feuds together in the past. I thought it was great. I, I thought it was a nice main event. I, I thought that uh, the only thing it was, I just think that, um, you know, you, you have this six and I think you have all these programs and. I'm just looking at this show and you're trying to build up Sunday and it's mm-hmm. really got no connection to Sunday, but divorcing it from that, like I, I thought it was a really nice main event. And to be honest, like this raw, uh, I'm not going to say it was the best episode in the world, but I thought you got uh, between the main event, AJ Styles and Damian Priest and that opening uh, six man tag with Owens, Alpha Academy, Street Profits and Ezekiel. Uh, I thought that was all like three really nice matches, especially AJ and Damian Priest. Like that was a very good match that you got on the show. I like the Rollins Cody segment. Overall, so I think like this show, it was one that um, certainly had its positives attached to it. It's just the Sunday show to me kind of feels it's um, I mean, you're kind of either sold on it or not. There wasn't a whole lot to push on tonight's show for the pay-per-view. Want to go over the card? Yeah, we've got six matches announced. So obviously uh, more could be added this week. Cody Rhodes against Seth Rollins, the I quit match between Charlotte and Ronda Rousey. Drew McIntyre and RK Bro against the Bloodline, AJ Styles versus Edge, Bobby Lashley versus Omos, and Happy Corbin versus Madcap Moss. So, as I said, that on paper uh, this looks good. I will uh, I will omit the last two that I, I don't really have a whole lot attached to it. Uh, Lashley and Omos. Uh, I don't think it can be worse than WrestleMania. Uh, Corbin and Moss. Um, prove me wrong. Prove you wrong. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I mean, but the other four, those should be. Oh, well, Charlotte and Ronda. I mean, that that's you know they they've got um, their work cut out for them. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I I think they'll they'll have that match laid out pretty well. And the other three, uh, I don't have any concerns about. Yeah, Cody versus Rollins. Uh, I think um, you know we looked to like that that match was arguably the best ma- best match of WrestleMania weekend for many people. So I, I imagine they'll continue that that run. I mean, it's. Seth Rollins, you know, on pay-per-view, he is tremendous. Uh, I think the Bloodline versus, you know, Drew McIntyre and RK-Bro will probably be, be very good, too, and very well booked. Uh, AJ Styles versus Edge, I'm excited for to see what they can do a second time around. And, you know, at the very least, I have a curiosity about how Charlotte versus Ronda Rousey is going to look with the I quit stipulation. Um, they're usually very careful, but, I mean, it's it's going to be up to whether or not the two of them can click on that particular night. I expect the title change. Coming out of this one. And probably goes on last, you would think, right? Because it's the only title match at the end, I, I would Yeah, think that's so. right. That's right. One title match on the show, which is fine. I, fine. Like, it's, you know, putting Bianca instead in her hometown, I didn't have a big issue with that. And we'll see if anything else is added. I, I cannot see anything significant being added to this. Like a Becky Oscar, I don't think they're just, you know, announcing that on the website and throwing that on the show. Maybe a de- divorce hearing. Or, uh, that's something. that is not ple level that's oh. that's that's monday night so yeah on paper i you know wwe premium live events typically deliver if you choose to watch them the question is how many people are excited enough to choose to watch it um they haven't made the show feel that important you know it's a lot of rematches it's uh not many stakes involved here even the one here with like you know rk bro versus uh the usos that was set to unify the titles they've taken that away so I can't really say that there's enough here that's attractive to people that makes them feel like I have to see the show. But that's why, you know, I'm led to think that they will have a big title change to come out of it to make people think that they should catch these next time. All right. Uh, that is going to uh, bring an end to the uh, the raw review for Monday night. Yeah. Coming out of the show in Greensboro. And we are going to be back on Tuesday, folks, chatting about the New Japan Tokyo Dome show from January the 4th of 2003. And, of course, headlined by Yuji Nagata and Josh Barnett. We've got the reunion of Satoshi Kojima and Hiroshi Tenzon. I think 11 matches on this card. Lots, lots to discover. Why, why is Katsuyori Shibata under a mask? <laughs> we'll, we'll get into all of that, folks. There's, there's lots, lots to dissect. Yeah, Uh what is that name of that group? Um, Mackay Club. Mackay Club, yes. We have the anniversary of the Bullet Club. Uh, what, what do you know about the Mackay Club? Is the yes. Mackay Club for life? Yeah, well, he, he was number four for life. Oh, yes, yes. that's right. 
So there you have it, folks. Uh, New Japan. It's uh, it's about to go into full plummet uh, throughout the uh, the mid two thousands. But this is this is really your your jumping on point as as the Titanic is has hit the iceberg. You really want to maximize your value of your New Japan World subscription? Dig into the two thousand and three archives with us. Okay, so that will be uh, up for cafe members on Tuesday night. But Way and I will be live Tuesday at one p.m. Eastern time, going over all of the latest news. Um, always plenty to chat about. Uh, with one waiting. So subscribe to the channel. Give us a thumbs up. Uh, send this uh, to everyone that uh, is in your, your email. Just just mass send this out to I everyone. Don't know if you want to do that. <laughs> Spam? Spam your contacts? Yes. About a professional wrestling podcast? That's exactly what I want everybody to do. That's a great way of losing friends, but okay. You know what? At this point, you got to make a decision. You're either in or you're True. out. You either yeah. are a fan of this show or not. <laughs> and if you got to lose some friends along the way, are they really friends? That's yeah. the question you have to ask Great yourself. Great question. Yeah. All right. That is it, everybody. I'm going to sleep, and we will chat with you on Tuesday.